Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice, Sylvester Lynn, welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Thank you for joining us today, the second to last day of March. Spring is in the air, and today we're kind of shooting the breeze on BTL. We're coming off UFC San Antonio, no UFC event this weekend. We're on the road to UFC 287 next Saturday in Miami. But a lot's still going on in the combat sports world this weekend, and we'll discuss that and much more. Today, it is myself, and joining me in this venture is Mr. No Gray Area, the Exhibition King co-host of No Bets Bard, and Damn They Were Good. A great episode of Damn is now on the pod network going through the interesting and underappreciated career of Benson Henderson. Let us say hello to Jed Mishu from MMAfighting.com. What do you think about that particular website, Greg? Uh, Jed? It's a great website, and you are correct. There is a episode dropped yesterday, the latest one for Damn They Were Good. Honestly, one of the more fun ones. Uh, Benson Henderson, not like one of my personal favorites. Like I respected his career, but wasn't like a huge fan. And as we dug into it, I feel like I remembered a lot. I learned a lot. Good time was had by all and, and well worth your your time. So if you got a long drive, fire it up because we got plenty of content for you on that show. We definitely do. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Let's talk about... The big story from UFC San Antonio. Let's talk about Corey Sanhagen, Jed. He puts on a show. Everybody who witnessed this fight believed that it was a dominant performance. Everybody was extremely impressed by Corey Sanhagen, except for apparently Judge Joel Ojeda. He saw a completely different fight than everybody else in the world. Egregiously scores the final three rounds for Cheeto Vera. And we'll talk about that more in depth shortly, but Jed, uh, thoughts on Corey Sanhagen's performance and how he handled his business against a very tough opponent in Marlon Chito Vera. I mean, he looked great. Uh, it was, I said it on the night and I will stand by this. It was disappointing. Not in that. I mean, the performance was exceptional, but I, like, I think many came into this being, you know, expecting a potential fight of the year, a really thrilling, exciting battle. And it's not really what we got. And that's a full credit to Corey Sandhagen, who kind of talked like he just said the dopest shit after that fight, Frank. 
basically like he's he's got a really good analytical mind um and he was just like yeah you know we knew what we were going to do we had a plan cheeto talks about wanting it more but we all want it the same level at this at, at this level we all want it the same so it's it's about the other parts and doing it. And we, we felt pretty good and, and that's what we did and that's what you saw. And so it ended up not being this kind of blood and guts affair, which I think a lot of us hoped for. Certainly I, I thought we were going to maybe not the whole fight, but I thought we'd get a lot more of it, but instead Sandhagen really just kind of dissected him. Uh, and it, it proved that Corey Sandhagen is one of who re-solidifies himself as one of the very best bantamweights in the world. And there's a world where he is the best guy, right? Like, I I mean, he got run over by Aljamain Sterling in, when they fought. That's sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get speed bagged, you know? If, if they fought again, I, I would probably still pick Sterling based on how that first fight went. But I wouldn't pick it to go the same way. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if, you know, if Corey Sandhagen could beat Aljamain Sterling. If he could win a rematch with Piotr Jan, particularly given kind of the tough scenes Piotr Jan has, has had to endure the last couple of times out. And, you know, Corey Sandhagen versus Henry Cejudo, like he's got a fair shot against anybody in the top of this division. And he just proved it by kind of really blanking, arguably the most dangerous guy in this division. So great win from Corey Sandhagen uh, makes me kind of reevaluate just how good he is as a Bantamweight. Is he better than top five? And, makes me interested to see him continue to push for a title. Yeah. You know, you know, what's funny is I couldn't wait for this show following this performance because a while back you were on this very program after Rob Font beat Cody Garbrandt. And you said, you know what? Rob Font might be the best band in the world. Yeah. You said that very confidently. That was something that you continue to say for several could months have been. after. He, he might've been, he wasn't, he wasn't, but he could have been. Do you have those same vibes after this performance? Are you feeling like this dude's he 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 might be the best? Like I, I'm confident a he might bit. be the best man in the world. Yeah, a little bit. Like he he definitely could be. And again, like I don't know that he would win any of those rematches, but I know that he would have a chance to win all of them. Like better than a puncher's chance, or like he is a complete, well-rounded, analytical mixed martial artist with uh, a unique maybe isn't the right word but a game that a lot of the other dudes at the top of the division don't have and that can present problems to to those same guys so look Piotr Jan beat him not that long ago in a really fun fight where where Corey Sandhagen had his moments and if they ran it back Corey Sandhagen could make adjustments because we've seen him approach the fight game that way Aljamain Sterling like I said like maybe maybe Aljo tackles him backpacks him and wraps him up I just don't think it happens the same way. He's going to have to work a lot harder and Corey Sandhagen's getting better. So I'm not willing to call him the best Bantamweight in the world right now, uh, but he, on any given day, he could win the belt. And that's about as good as you can ever aspire to be in this sport. And I think Corey Sandhagen is pretty definitively, at least for me, cemented himself in that legitimate title threat conversation. Sandhagen told our own Damon Martin prior to the fight that he had a plan of some kind or he was developing some sort of plan to call out Sean O'Malley if all went well on Saturday and all went very well for him Saturday. He didn't do that, which I thought was very smart. He instead calls out Marab Wallace, really, and he did it very respectfully. He put Marab over as 
sort of the boogeyman in this division, the toughest fight he could possibly have right now. And Marab, of course, Marab, of course, seemed into it as he should, since the UFC is offering him Umar Namagamadoff on May 13th. They may still offer him that fight in the future, but Sanhagen calling up Marab, I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. What did you think? Did was that the way to go for Sanhagen, or should he have tried to shoot the O'Malley shot with everything kind of up in the air at 135 right now? No, 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 no. God, no. He pitched perfect. Like he did this. He he was perfect on Saturday, from from start to finish. I mean, you could maybe give Cheeto that last round if you want to. Like it's fine, but he was perfect in everything. His post fight speech, his call out, all of it was exactly correct because that is the right call out for him. Marab Balashvili is. Honestly, actually, if I had a gun to my head, I would say Marab Dalashvili is the, is the best bantamweight on earth right now, and so that's a really tough fight to call out. But that is that's the fight for Sandhagen to to take or to to pursue because it is achievable, and it then also sets him up for the thing that he wants. If he tries to call out Sean O'Malley, he's just not getting it. Like that's just Sean O'Malley is going to wait. That is a, it's functionally what's going to happen. There's, I strongly doubt that he will be like, I just want to fight again. We'll think like he's, he's getting the next title shot. He's just going to wait. The UFC will have no issue having him sit to fight for the belt against the winner of Aljo Cejudo. So calling him out is a waste of a call out. It will never happen. If he doesn't call out Marab, of course, Sanhagen, you know, tried to pursue that, tried to just call for a title fight or some, some other nonsense that we've seen some people do. Then we talked about it coming into the fight. Then he's probably getting the winner of Adrian Yanez, Rob Font, which is a fun-ass fight. And sign me up and watch the hell out of it. But that's fighting back in a like – it's a real, real way. Font several stations back from, from his ranking at this point. This is the ideal fight. It's tough as hell. Murad really is impossible to fight functionally. But if Corey Sandhagen can win it, he's number one contender with the bullet. He gets that fight and he can win it. He gets a title shot. It doesn't really matter what else is going on in the Bantamweight division at that point. He will have solidified himself. So it's a hard-ass fight, but this is absolutely the correct call-out from him. And I think he's going to end up getting it. I think this fight makes the most sense for Marab, who's going to have to fight again, also won't get O'Malley. God knows who who wants to fight <laughs> Umar Nurmagomedov, like that is just at, at best you are going to win an extremely difficult fight over a guy who is not ranked very highly. So I, I think he's going to get it. I think the call out was great. Literally a, a perfect Saturday from Corey Santagin. Could not have drawn it up much better than he got. Tough night for Marlon Vera. Four wins in a row heading into the fight. His usual game plan of let's get an opening let the guy hit me with a hammer and then I'm going to just come back and hit him with the sledgehammer. Didn't work here. He didn't get going at all. He had some moments in the third and fourth round, but it Corey was just too much for him and he's only 30. So hopefully you'll learn from this. I'm sure Jason Perillo has been all over him since Saturday, but what's next for him? I mean, he called out Piotr Jan certainly makes sense from a ranking standpoint, but is that the fight to make? What do you think? is the future at least short term looks like for Marlon Vera right now. I think that's the fight they are going to make. I'm not sure it's the fight I want. Don't get me wrong. The fight's great. Um, I don't love Marlon Vera's chances in that fight. I'm not saying he can't win it, but the, 
it's certainly going to be a five rounder and the way Piotr Jan's offense builds on itself. Like we, we have seen realistically the way to beat Piotr Jan and it, you, you are going to have to outwork him and just overload him. And Marlon Vera is very much not that kind of fighter. So I, I think that that sets up poorly for him, though the fight is still probably really fun. Um, because I mean, Jan got caught a couple of times by, uh, by O'Malley. Marlon Vera is better than that. Uh, I I think I'd pref- in general I would prefer he not fight Purion because again we start to get into the neighborhood of squatting which we've talked about with other divisions but when we're talking about Sandhagen fighting Valishvili and Jan fighting uh Vera that's a, and and O'Malley waiting for for the winner of Sterling Cejudo that's the whole top 5 booked right like that's everybody in in the top 5 functionally is now covered so then it's these other guys who are coming up to Umar Nurmagomedov, Adrian Yanez is, uh, you know, that, that group is, is being functionally boxed out of, of upward mobility, which I'm never a huge fan of. Uh, I've always sort of been on of the idea that if you take a loss, you need to fight back. Um, and, and that's, and this wasn't a controversial loss. There's no, he takes a loss. You need to fight back and defend your spot and then you can go back to it. So I'd love if instead we got to see Marlon Vera versus the winner of that Rob Font Adrian Giannis fight, uh, sign me the hell up for that one. Absolute banger alert. Uh, but I think we're going to get Piotr Jan. And it's it's hard to be mad about that because that fight is certainly fun as hell, if nothing else. Uh, it, it does potentially run the risk for Piotr Jan of losing like eight in a row or something insane at this point, which would be a tough, tough scenes for our guy. But that's that's life in the bantamweight division, baby. Who is your low key MVP of UFC San Antonio, Jed? Ooh, let me look at this card and remember because I was not working this event. So, is uh, Nate Landwehr doesn't count as low key, does he? I mean, it's not the main event, so he's, I mean, I don't know who else you could pick, really. He's he's the MVP of the card. I'm not certain he can. I just don't think he can constitute low key. That's that's probably the the low key MVP of this card. Here's who the low key one is for you. Uh, and I'm gonna I disagreed with this on Fight Night, and I still disagree with it, but it delivered something really cool. And it's Jason Herzog because CJ Vergara should that fight should have been stopped. I know Casey disagrees with me. I fundamentally <laughs> believe that the CJ Vergara Daniel Silva fight should have been stopped. Uh, because if at any point in time you are literally fleeing, uh, like turning your back and running away, I, I got this a lot because I commented this. I agree. That is totally intelligent defense. In fact, running away is arguably the best defense for any <laughs> fist fight. The problem is you're no longer fist fighting. You're in a track meet. And those are two very different things. So it's certainly intelligent defense, but you are actively disengaging from combat, which is the whole point of this this thing. It is, by definition, timidity and should warrant a, a foul and a point deduction. I mean, that has that that certainly didn't happen. But for me, I have just always been of the opinion that if you are ever in a position where you literally are running away, uh, then you're not, you can't, the fight's over. That that running away is far worse to me than turtling up. <laughs> like they're they're the same thing of not of of strictly defending yourself with whatever limited means you have capable at you. So I think that fight should have been stopped. However, because it wasn't stopped, 
we got a really sick comeback. Like CJ Vergara manages to to not you know get knocked unconscious, makes it to the end of the round, and then comes out and barnstorms in the second. So the low key hero of this fight card is Jason Herzog. Even though I think it's one of the few times that I fundamentally disagree with what Jason Herzog did as a referee, it did deliver us probably the second best highlight. I mean, honestly, just the best highlights better than land lingo. So the best single like moment of the event was because of Jason Herzog. So shouts to you, Herzog. There you go. And it's, uh, it's not often when we think back of this past weekend that we're giving kudos to a referee. Uh, so let's transition to, Look, he's the best ref in the game. He, he missed on this one, but it was a happy accident. So it works out. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We mentioned uh, Judge Joel Ojeda, and there are other judges who were Texas-based with weird cards throughout the night. But this is a pretty tough weekend for the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation, Jed Mishu. The TDLR, the commission overseeing UFC San Antonio. Also, the Fury FC 73 card on Friday, also in San Antonio. And I'm sure everybody who's watching this right now, everybody who's listening to the sound of my voice, has seen the viral clip. Edgar Shirez, Contender Series veteran, likely down three rounds in the main event of Fury FC 73. He's fighting Johnny Vasquez in a five-round fight. He did miss weight. First time he ever missed weight, but that's kind of besides the point because Vasquez is winning the first three rounds. Round four starts. Vasquez, as he had done a couple of other times in the fight, picked Chires up, threw him on the mat, and then finds himself in a nasty figure forward triangle. And Vasquez clearly goes unconscious. Everybody sees it in the arena except for the referee, Frank Colazzo, who just allows this submission to continue while everybody is screaming at him to stop the fight. Chires transitions to a nasty arm bar to the unconscious Vasquez, whose arm is getting hyperextended. He wakes up. He tries to tap with his foot. Then he goes out again. He wakes up again and eventually works his way to tapping out. Now, Colazzo, who was very much in the public eye, on Saturday, probably millions of people had seen this clip by Saturday afternoon. He is rewarded with a judging assignment at UFC San Antonio, and this is just friggin' ridiculous. So, Jed, Texas has been under scrutiny many times before. This just put it over the top. How bad of a weekend was this for the TDLR in San Antonio, the site of both the UFC event on Saturday and that Fury FC event on Friday? 
is tough, Hanks. That's <laughs> it's just Texas is on some whole other ish. Uh, look, I I don't know how to feel about the him getting rebooked as the as the thing. It's obviously not like a good good optics or whatever. But at the same time, it's not the same job. So kind of whatever on it. Um, the the awful ref stoppage is like far more important to me than anything else to happen because it's really, really bad. Um, it's actually the worst, worst I've ever seen in the sport. I think um, like there's just not really a credible way that you, it, to me, and I'm not in the cage, but it's, it's very hard for me to imagine looking at that and being like, this should continue. We should let this go on. Uh, like you, you gotta have some baseline level of ability here, and it it really feels like the referee did not. Um, as far as the judging, I mean, it's the worst scorecard I've ever seen. It's not the actual worst scorecard I've ever seen, but it's top five. So heroic efforts from from Texas <laughs> to be because the part that is cons I won't even say concerning because it's not or just know how this game works at this point. There will be no ramifications either way. And that's the part that sucks and is super lame, right? Because things don't get better when there aren't when there's no incentive for them to get better. Like there's they will just continue existing in perpetuity because this is not the first this is not Texas's first rodeo with this kind of clown shoe shit. So it's just gonna keep happening because they don't seem to really have any huge impetus to improve. And that's a shame, but the UFC will still probably go to, you know, Texas once every couple of years because they've got a lot of the major markets in the country. Maybe just stay away from San Antonio. You don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff. Because, I mean, like the same, like Frank Colazzo ain't reffing fights in Dallas. Like he'll ref fights in San Antonio, judge fights in San Antonio. I don't think he's just making the Johnson Dallas. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But when you saw that clip on Saturday – like, what did you think of it? Were you like throwing shit across the room? Because I was. No, it was just like, wow, that's really bad. Um, Cause it was really bad. Like it's, I, I don't get all that up in arms about things all that often anymore um, in this. Cause it's I'm sad to say like grown to expect it, right? Like this is just part and parcel of the sport. It's, it is why it is. It's part, frankly, partly why it's a dangerous sport outside of everything else about what you are doing and, in organized combat, there are a lot of inept people that are involved, involved structurally at every every stretch of it. And so, look, like I, there's no, I'm not here to put any blame on on um, Vasquez. Like I'm not here to put any blame on him. But this should serve as a lesson to other people. This is why you tap. You should just tap. There's there is no honor or dignity in going to sleep because. There's a scenario where you don't wake up for no reason because somebody else is bad at their job. Like you should just tap, should have just tapped. The ref should stop it. And this is, this is a dangerous game and you shouldn't have idiots working dangerous games. And sadly it's where we are. And so I was happy that he seems to mostly be okay, which is obviously the, the best outcome. But man, that's that just sucked all around. There's no good thing about this. Yeah, hope, ho hopefully he's okay. Um, not really sure 
but breaking down the fourth wall, I have some something cooking with this whole entire thing. Um, I'm sure some people have done interviews about it, but no one's going to go as in-depth with this whole saga as we are. Uh, as you'll see in here over the coming days, the story has- That's why we're a great website. Way more layers than I thought. Uh, many roads to take with it. It's absolute insanity. Uh, so stay tuned for that over the next several days. But uh, while many hold the California State Athletic Commission as sort of the gold standard for commissions right now with Andy Foster at the helm, uh, is Texas the complete opposite right now, Jed? Can, oh, can yeah. you confidently say this is the worst commission in combat sports right now? I mean, I can't say confidently just because I, there are a ton of them that I don't, we don't know anything about, right? Like, when was the last time an event was held in Idaho? I, I know, man. Like, UFC isn't going to Butte, Montana or whatever all that often. So, like, there They've could be Boise, worse out right? there. Hasn't the UFC been to Boise? Wasn't there a UFC Boise they, not that long ago? Maybe. I mean, it couldn't have been recently because COVID. So by not long ago, you mean like five years ago, potentially. But like, I don't, I can't recall all of 28, them. But 2018. Yeah. Okay. Literally five years ago. <laughs> uh, but Texas is certainly at the nexus of being catastrophically bad and frequent. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just, so the, I mean, they probably are. It's hard to imagine a commission being much worse, but also... It wouldn't shock me if South Dakota, <laughs> so some other state that just does, they don't go to is terrible. And we just don't know because that doesn't, they have two events a year for some Midwestern smoker show or whatever. But I mean, it's a safe bet. If you're just placing money, they're the odds on favor to be considered the worst commission. Minus 150 or higher. Oh, much higher than that because people know <laughs> because they also have the 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 perception of being so bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I just I can't say it all the way confidently because they don't. The UFC hasn't gone to every state recently or whatever, and we're not going to get like how often is Fury FC or whatever competing in I don't know Minnesota. It's I I just don't know, but if. I wouldn't feel bad saying it. Like, it's probably not wrong. Well, there you go. So that's that. More on this whole saga coming up on MAFighting.com. Stay tuned. But another thing happened Very at much. UFC San Antonio, which has caused a little bit of a debate, Jed. I didn't think it would, but it has caused uh, a little bit of a debate on Heck of a Morning and other shows. Uh, a very cool announcement during Saturday's broadcast. Uh, Donald Cerrone, Cowboy, is heading to the UFC Hall of Fame. He's part of this class of 2023, which includes Jens Pulver, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, and now Donald Cerrone. And most people are very happy about this. I thought the moment was very cool. He was very emotional about it, and it brought his you know, significant other and his kids out. I thought it was very, very cool. The highlight package, they do. the UFC does a tremendous job with that stuff. But it has created a, a little bit of a debate. A lot of people are wondering whether or not the UFC might have gotten this wrong. Uh, is, you know, is Cowboy Cerrone a Hall of Famer? Is, you know, obviously he was very important to the UFC, but is he a Hall of Fame fighter? So what was your reaction to this? Have you noticed the debate that has been going on on social media and other programs as well? I, Because I honestly, with any Hall of Fame induction, this is the most, you know, debate that I've I've seen from the UFC Hall of Fame. So outside of like this person should be in, why aren't they in? 
What do you think about Cerrone getting in? Have you seen these conversations and debates about it? I have not seen any of the debates. Um, so interesting. Uh, my my issue with it, and I don't really have an issue. I think like fundamentally he should be one. Though I agree with Ariel Helwani when he says that like it would just be cooler if there was that five-year gap. Like let us miss fighters a little bit. In part, that's why Jins is felt so special when he does did get announced because there had been a lot of time to internalize that and be like, ah, oh, man, now let's go back and think about Jins Pulver and all this. And it made it feel more special. Whereas Anderson and, and Jose getting in is just like, okay, they recently retired. And we all know that they are undeniable first ballot Hall of Famers, but you could let you could let it breathe. You know, you could decant their Hall of Fame careers if you were if if it were. So with Cerrone, it's it's still definitely a lot of that mixed in. There's there's no reason to have done this so quickly, but it's a little more so. Um, not because there are other people who deserve it over him, though I think that that's also true. Uh, it just feels very weird because doing it so quickly is like f so quickly after his retirement makes it feel to some extent like this guy is a no doubt about it, you know, first ballot in other sports how that would work he is a first ballot hall of famer particularly because he's getting inducted with three other people this one really caught me all the way off guard because i just thought the class was set we already had three inductees that's usually what they're looking at two to three people making it in per year and then we've just added a fourth year sort of quickly and frankly a fourth that's a little more errant that is not like there, there, it's undeniable for Jose Aldo, for Anderson Silva, undeniable. Jens Pulver also should be undeniable. It took him far too long to get in there, but we're talking about a former champion uh, and a true legitimate pioneer of the sport and of the lower weight classes, which is really important for, for where MMA got. And you've got Donald Cerrone, who I think is a Hall of Fame caliber fighter. I mean, we, we already did a damn they were good on him when he retired. It was great. Uh, he's... Uh, unbelievably exciting. He holds a bunch of records in the UFC or partial records in the UFC. But at the end of the day, he, he never won a belt. He never won a major belt, which is uh, a knock on him and kind of to me should be like, okay, you don't have to get in immediately. You can wait a year or two after the thing just because it's sort of how it feels like. So ultimately I have no issue with him going in. The timing again feels a little weird. But they, you know, it, it's all sort of moot. The UFC is just kind of playing this by ear and doing whatever the hell they want, and that's okay as long as the right people ultimately end up in the hall. Then I don't like. What are we're really quibbling about stuff that doesn't matter at that point? So, uh, congratulations! It was a great moment on Saturday. It was, it was fun and touching, and if maybe that's just all they were looking for was just let's let's add a little juice to this we'll get this fun exciting moment and i'm sure when they do the speeches he'll have a fairly cool fairly interesting one because he's lived a very interesting life and can reflect on that pretty well and so it'll be okay uh not, nothing to get up in arms about but i i can understand being like that's a little odd yeah and and like honestly the UFC Hall of Fame, like he belongs in there, hundred yeah. percent. Like he has meant so much to the promotion, and I think some people are getting it. You know, it's not the same as like an, an MMA Hall of Fame. Like 
the WWE Hall of Fame is what it is, but it's not the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Like the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, there's different names, there's different meanings, there's different things. Um, the WWE Hall of Fame will put in people uh, who meant a lot to the company. And Donald was a integral part of UFC allure. And I think some people are confusing the UFC Hall of Fame with like an overall spectrum of the sport. Like some people look at his record and just be like, well, he's not like a Hall of Fame type of fighter. But for the UFC, he was so important to the company. So like, while Jason Veritek will never be a, well, he won't be enshrined in Cooperstown for being a baseball Hall of Famer. He sure as hell is going to be in a Red Sox Hall of Fame and probably have his number retired at Fenway Park. But that's what this means. That's what I thought of this altogether is like, why, why is anybody up in arms about this? Because this is a UFC Hall of Fame, and Donald Cerrone was such an important piece to the company. He was the ultimate, I'll take any fight, anytime, against anybody type of dude, and people loved him. Like, I don't understand why there's any quibble about this, um, but a lot of people kind of confused the UFC Hall of Fame for, like, the general sports Hall of Fame, which there is none. There is none of those right now. So the UFC is running this. This is their thing. And Donald Cerrone is a no-brainer, Jed, for, for, for a UFC Hall of Fame, in my opinion. I do agree with you that maybe it's a little too soon. Even if you waited one more year, I think it would have a little more weight to it. But still, this is a no-brainer for me. UFC Hall of Fame, Donald Cerrone is a UFC Hall of Famer, without a doubt. Yeah, sure. I mean, he headlined 11 events for Zufa, right, between WC and UFC. Fought, God knows how many times, like 50 or something. Like he's, I get, I'm with you. He he deserves to be in there. I just, if if I were in charge, three seems like a pretty standard class. We're upping it to four for a guy who I think could stand to wait, you know, a year or whatever. And there's, I think he, of the four people, he's under, if I had to cut one, no question Donald Cerrone is the guy who doesn't make the cut. I just, But that's sort of the other end of it is there has never been criteria. There has never been a voting body established like you have largely in other sports. It is – I don't actually know how it is made, but if you were to tell me Dano just picks people, uh, wouldn't shock me at all. Like that could easily be the criteria to be adducted is Dana's just like, let's go with these guys. I like them, sure. And that's Frank, that's not a terrible way to do it. Like they again, they've mostly got the right people in there. A couple of clear exceptions, but you're gonna have that with anything. But it's just there are no criteria, and so this feels a little a little more odd, particularly when you're just adding another guy in who's clearly a tier below the other three guys that are going in. So but again, it's fine. Nothing no there there's no limit to how many people can be in this thing. The more the merrier. I would say yeah. Donald Cerrone deserves it, and so it's totally okay for him to be in there. It does not detract from anybody else's admission into it. 100%. Completely agree with you. It is only March, so and, and the ceremony is not until July. So are we going to get a fight, Jed? Are we going to get oh, a we'll fight? We'll definitely get a fight. We'll definitely get what a are fight. we going to get? What needs to go in? What's the fight? Oh, they're, they're really bad at picking fights. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, they are really bad at it. Uh, so that's the thing. I'm not really sure um, because, but I mean, we've basically gotten a fight every year, right? See, we did, we got one 13, 15, 16, 18, 19, 21, and 22. So we haven't gotten them every year, a couple of missed years there, which is insane because there are so many fights that should go in here. Um, oh, the I thing is like – right away. 
Well, no, there are two fights that I would obviously say should go in there, but they suck at putting fights in. Like they're like, look, I'm not here to really throw shade on Diego Sanchez, Clay Guida. It's a fun fight. Why is that fight in the Hall of Fame before like 30 other fights? Cub Swanson, Duhor Troy. Great fight. Again, really fun fight. There are 30 other fights that are more meaningful, better, more interesting fights to put in there. Like they, there's just, they have historically not been super great at it. Uh, hopefully it is one of Robbie Lawler's. You can, Condit is all, will always be my choice. It's the best fight of all time as far as I'm concerned. But I know a ton of people stand for Condit McDonald too. Uh, I, if I'm betting, the UFC would put that fight in over uh, over Condit Lawler. But I my guess is it's not either of those. It, it'll be, <laughs> I'll t- I, actually I'll tell you what fight it is. Here's the fight that will going to be happen. And it this ties into the also Donald Cerrone thing. There, it'll be a jo- Joanna and Wiley Zhang. It's one of the five best fights of all time. They don't have any women's fights in in the thing. They probably should. Uh, Joanna retired. Joanna should frankly be in, inducted into the Hall of Fame before Donald Cerrone, but whatever. Again, not relitigating that point. Uh, I would bet if I'm if I'm betting for a fight, that's the one I bet they throw in. Yeah, that's one of them. Do you think they would put Ronda Rousey, Liz Carmouche in there just because of the historical aspect? They should. I mean that that fight should be a should a thousand percent be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Uh, which I think would make Ronda Rousey the first double inductee. No, Matt Hughes is in there with Frank Trigg. Yeah. Oh, and, and Coleman's in. So actually there are a couple of double inductees in there. So, But I mean, yeah, that fight would be totally fine. Uh, if that's the fight they chose, not the most exciting fight in the world, but arguably the second most meaningful fight in the history of mixed martial arts behind Bonner Griffin won. So the fight 1,000% should be in. Congratulations to Cowboy. Well-deserved. That's going to be a, a very interesting watch uh, on in July for this Hall of Fame with Aldo and Anderson and Jens Pulver's speech is going to be amazing. I'm sure Cowboy is going to be incredible as well. So uh, this is a no-brainer. So congratulations to Cowboy Cerrone. No UFC this weekend, Jed, but tomorrow the good old folks at Bellator return to Temecula, California, Bellator 293, the main event, a heavyweighty heavyweight main event. We got Marcelo Golm versus Daniel James. We have a nice tight 15 fights on this card. We did lose one. We lost the Jaleel Willis, Rustam Kabila fight. Uh, we found that out during weigh-ins today. So 15 fights main event. I think a lot of people would agree is, not stealing a lot of headlines but to me the rest of this card is pretty damn solid uh if you take out the main event it's like the complete opposite of ufc san antonio in a lot of respects so your thoughts on bellator 293 and their return to temecula tomorrow um we were talking about this in the pre-show and sort of it's just been a, a thing that's been mentioned sort of around the office the the digital offices all week uh a lot of people are higher on this card than I am. This card is extremely mid to me, um, but I can at least understand the arguments. I do not understand the main event. I understand why it exists. It's a fight between guys that I think are in Bellator's top 10 rankings. Um, and, you know, it's a it's a fine fight for what it is. There is no reason that, Kat's, I, that I can find why Kat Singano is not headlining this. Uh, I guarantee you, Look, I don't think you're doing a ton any which way you slice this as far as 
drawing up interest. There is just no name brand value on this card. If there is any, it is in Kat Zingano. And more to the point, she's building towards something. The winner of Golm Daniel James is what what are they doing? They're not fighting. They're not about to fight Ryan Bader for the heavyweight title after this. I mean, I guess theoretically they could, but that just doesn't seem like that's in the cards. Whereas Kat Singano is theoretically being built to be a title challenger for Chris Cyborg, to have that fight, which at this point has... How long has she been in Bellator? It feels like that fight was teased three years ago, and it still just isn't happening. So... I know that Cyborg isn't currently under contract or it's some kind of murky gray area there, but this is the that's the fight you're trying to work towards. So why is this co-headlining? Why is this just not the main event? Just believe in in the people you're trying to set it up because you're not getting a huge ratings bump any way it goes. And ultimately this is these are the sorts of events where Bellator loses the plot because it's not an awful card. But what this is fundamentally is a challenger series card. This is, you know, strike force PFL challenger series or Dana white contender series, like maybe a level up from that. This is Bellator's B offering, but because Bellator doesn't have a structural way to present that, this just becomes part of, of what Bellator is as, Hey, here's our, here's our fastball. Every time we do an event, it it's our it's our best go, and this is this is what it is, man. Like there's there are developmental prospects, there are okay fights. Nobody's tuning in for this that cares too much, and this will to me this is always like the this is the biggest hindrance for Bellator. They physically do not have enough people to headline events in meaningful ways to do their 18 events a year or whatever. They need more stars, more people of with names. And so three or four times a year, you're going to get one of these events and it's more palatable when it's Bellator Dublin and everyone just kind of accepts that this is a Dublin card. We're going to do a Dublin thing here. When you're doing it in Temecula, it, the op that just reads poorly to me. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, if you watch this, I'm sure it won't be awful. Some of the fights are okay, but nobody is 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 building a calendar around this event. Like, gotta stay in, gotta watch this one. Can't can't watch the final four this weekend. Bellator two ninety three is coming up, and that's just a it's it's where they consistently fumble the bag. Because the rest of this year, to say something nice about them, the rest of this year leading up to this moment, their first quarter has been exceptional. Like literally a plus work from them. The fights that they put on, the the structure, all of the the planning that went into it, great. The recent announcement that Pitbull's going for a third belt, great. Like all of that stuff has been ideal. But then you just have this one and it kind of puts a downer for certainly for at least this weekend, if not for like your general feeling of Bellator. This I just think they should have just done an interim title fight. With cats and guys, that would be better. That would like, be I'm not saying better. strip strip cyborg because we don't know what's happening. Like, keep the belt on her. I don't have a problem with that. But like, what if Chris doesn't come back? Like, we got to do something to like move this along here somehow. I know there's not a ton of fighters in this division, but you slap a title on here, like it's something. You know what I mean? But the rest of the card, I actually Honestly, like. Like, Bellator I like a lot should of do card. more interim titles because they're fake and they're stupid. 
but who cares? And at least like, maybe you'll trick somebody if you give Marcel Goldman, Daniel James, the interim belt, or frankly, they should just do different belts instead of interim belts. Like we've talked about for years, you can have other belts. You can have an intercontinental heavyweight belt or whatever, something <laughs> dumb and cool. Like you could have fun with it instead of rolling out this card, which again is not awful. Like there, some of these fights are okay, but is, but it's awful at the same time. Um, it is not awful in in practice, but it is awful on paper, and that's that's just where they fall short consistently. I do like this card, though. I like the Aaron Jeffrey John Salter fight. Aaron Jeffrey could find himself into a title fight if he wins this one. I I, I called Aaron Jeffrey the uh, the Chris Curtis of Bellator. How oh, he just needed his chance, and now he's shining. Uh, now that he's got well, his opportunity, he doesn't have to didn't need a qualifier fight. Why are there fifteen fights? why that seems entirely unnecessary also like joey davis good prospect can we do something fun with joey davis give joey davis some kind of idiot belt who cares make one up make up a crown like do find other way like that again that's been my criticism of bellator for years and this also criticism of the ufc but the ufc is playing with house money so they can kind of afford it like there are ways to make things that are otherwise uninteresting interesting that's literally the purpose of promotion <laughs> is in fact to sell the idea of watching this to people. And some of these fights, like you've pointed out, are compelling for, for reasons, but only if you are deeply in the Bellator game. Not a soul alive gives a shit about John Salter versus Aaron Jeffrey unless you are a deeply invested in the Bellator title picture. But you can present you can package and present this in other ways that are that are interesting and that may might make me be like, okay, like this is a, this is at least something different. Let's, let's see what this is about. Let's try it out. And instead the same criticism I've given them year after year, they are running the UFC's playbook without the UFC's roster. And that is a, is a huge flaw in them. I largely think that they are a good promotion, I largely think that they do things well. They don't get out over their skis. That's why they are still, relevant year after year after year but they they don't do they don't add the little little extras the, the little panache that could make a card that is otherwise uninteresting for the vast majority of people something that maybe maybe i got nothing to do maybe on uh friday night is this for this is a friday card right yes yeah maybe friday night i got nothing else to do i'm i'll click over to showtime and, and peep in and see what's going on because they have given me something else other than a, an event headlined by the number 28 and 39th heavyweights in the world or whatever it is you mentioned uh the belts are 297 announcements we got vadim Nenpopio holy shit it's worse than what i said According to Tapology, we're looking at 35 and 61 in the heavyweight rankings. Well, uh, that's not where these. That's not where Vadim Nemkov is ranked. Uh, he's fight, He's going to defend against Joel Romero. They've rebooked that one. That fight's awesome. Uh, Patricio Pitbull uh, challenging Sergio Pettis for the bantamweight title. Obviously, there's history on the line here. But as much as people love this fight, people were kind of scratching their heads a little bit because coming up in like three weeks time, the finale for the Bantamweight Grand Prix is going to happen between Rafion Stotts and Patchy Mix. Obviously the winner will be the interim champion, the million dollar winner, and will obviously be fighting 
the champion next to unify the belt. So people were kind of puzzled why we're booking another title fight when we have a Grand Prix wrapping up in April. I honestly don't care. Uh, either way, I just think this fight's great, and the winner of Stotts and Mix can get the winner of this, and it's going to be a great fight. But uh, what are your thoughts? Are you How surprised are you to see that – Sergio has a title defense. It's not against the Grand Prix winner. And that Patricio Pitbull is the guy looking to become a champion in three different divisions for Bellator MMA, trying to make some history. Uh, I didn't see this one coming, but it's cool. Like, this is good matchmaking. I don't give a shit about the the Grand Prix stuff. Like, this is this is really good. As an addendum to this, uh, this is also the prop another problem from bellator uh if you're running a grand prix that you you need to run that grand prix in the year that you're running it and not have it bleed over into first second quarter of the next year because then it's like oh kind of forgot we were even doing bantamweight grand prix in part because like the stott sabatello felt like it was obviously wasn't the final but they are the two most vocal guys i felt like it could have just been the final and instead we there's just been this kind of still dragging on, still waiting to close it down, which they seem to consistently do with these. And that's a tough scene, but who gives a shit? Because this is a good fight. Like the Pipple Pettis fight is compelling and interesting. And I, I will tune in to watch that fight. And then sure. The winner of, of Stott's mix can get the winner of that fight into a small little four man tournament, basically. And it will be great. Like you should not air, promotionally you should not err on the side of well we've got this thing going like just make cool fights and let the rest of it settle out like that's should just always sort of be the answer the ufc sort honestly used to do this more now they are in this sort of weird thing but it's like hey you know what you should do just always make the cool best coolest fights you can right now and uh we'll figure out the rest of it later because we should be living in the moment. And this fight's awesome. I'm going to tune in. This was honestly the best thing they did the whole, the whole first quarter of this year, which was a, again, a good quarter, good things happened and accomplished and were booked and fought. And, and it's like, Oh, I have something to look forward to now, not a nebulous grand prix, which again, the lightweight grand prix is a great idea, but it's a little harder to like, uh, look forward to, I'm looking forward to too many composite parts. This is just like, yeah, that event's going to be sick. I'm super excited to tune in and watch. And Bell- Bellator needs as many of those as they can. As many things that say that make me say, hell yeah, let's tune in and watch this. That's what Bellator needs to consistently be pursuing. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. That event will be happening in Chicago, Illinois in June. Looking very much forward to that. But this Saturday, not far from Chicago in... Milwaukee, 
in Algonquin, which means the good land. Thank you, uh, Wayne's World and Alice Cooper for that tidbit of information. Uh, Gamebred Boxing 4 is going down in Milwaukee, big arena. Uh, obviously, Jorge Mazadal's promotion. Roy Jones Jr. versus Anthony Pettis is the main event. We have Vitor Belfort versus Jacare, a rematch. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens, a rematch. Uh, we have other notable names from the MA world. Pearl Gonzalez fighting Gina Mazzani. We have B. Wynn versus Andy Wynn. Joe Riggs, the great Joe Riggs, who should be fighting Jake Paul the fight, right now. The fight master himself. <laughs> uh, fighting Marcus Perez and, you know, and, and some other fights on this card. So this is going down Saturday. Uh, you can watch it on ppv.com. You can watch it on, you can order through UFC Fight Pass. 50 bucks for this. If you go on the website, Ticketmaster doesn't look like the ticket sales are going great. It seems like a, I don't know. I love the concept. I love it. Love what they're trying to do here. Trying to get some fighters paid, giving some different opportunities. Love it. Tough weekend to do it and tough location. If we're being honest, like somewhere in Orlando, somewhere near Miami, somewhere in Florida. I just feel like Milwaukee was just such a weird place to host this event, but Hey, I'm not a promoter. Who the hell am I? But where are your excitement levels for this? We're 48 hours away. What are we thinking, Jed? Oh, come on, man. I'm, you know, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Uh, this is not, this is fine. Um, I, I like you. I, I, the general idea is interesting, maybe not compelling, but certainly interesting. Um, it's, you got a lot of names to try and grab attention and unclear that they are accomplishing that. But at the end of the day, there are a couple like I it it strikes that note where I've never once thought about Roy Jones Jr. boxing Anthony Pettis. So that's interesting because it's at least something that I had never even conceived of. Uh, is it something I care about, though? And the answer is not really. Um, Roy Jones is really old, but he's a professional boxer. Anthony Pettis is not a great boxer in general, was much better at kicking things. And that's not going to happen here. He's probably just going to get tuned up. But and and if he doesn't, then it won't be cool. It will be sad. Like if if Anthony Pettis wins this, it will just be sad because it's him beating up an old man. That's a tough hang. Uh, the the co-main event that's at least more interesting in the fact that it's you know two guys of the same size and the same era. And Jacques Ray hits really hard, even though he's not really a boxer. Vitor obviously much better in that realm. Again. It's kind of sad either way that fight goes, probably. The Jose Aldo-Jeremy Stevens fight, I'm really – like that's actually something that's very interesting and compelling to me just because their mixed martial arts fight was fun. And Jose Aldo, you know, liver shotted him out of the cage and he can totally do that. But Jeremy Stevens is, you know, better served, I would imagine, in this than in an MMA fight against Jose Aldo. So the fight's actually like genuinely interesting and the rest of it's – I, I don't know. The biggest issue with this event for me, Mike, the, the reason I probably won't be watching is because I don't know if you know this. Uh, Saturday is a busy day in combat sports. We've got game bread boxing. I mean, we're, and just in regular sports, we'll have the final four, which I'll be watching. But more, most importantly, PFL sat- incorrect. Fight Circus <laughs> is back, baby. I don't. I cannot tell you who's on PFL's fight card without looking it up right now. But I can tell you the Fight Circus is back. Phuket, Thailand, doing the thing again. And look, 
maybe I'm maybe I'm a goon. I might be. Like I'm not here to tell you I'm some sophisticated, you know, consumer of fine art. But Fight Circus has been consistently the most entertaining non-USD organization I've watched. And sometimes that even includes the UFC in it. And they know how to make look. Here's Bellator. You can't do a lot of this stuff because you can't for brand reasons. And I understand it. But Mike, have you looked at the lineup for Fight Circus this this weekend? No, I was actually going to let you shout it out by the end of this. Let me, let me tell you, I have the lineup right here. Uh, <laughs> and it's great. We're looking at 12 fights. Fights is maybe a loose term for some of the things that are going to be happening. But the main event is is obviously the draw. It's Siamese boxing. If you don't know what Siamese boxing is, it's honestly one of the best things fights. Fight Circus has actually produced two products that I think are legitimately good and entertaining. One of them is the kicking only fights. Human cockfighting is what they call it. Those fights are always electric uh, because it's just really fun to watch people kick the crap out of each other. And the other, Siamese boxing is like – Instead of doing power slap, Dana White should be invested in Siamese boxing because this thing could have real legs. It is, you basically put two dudes in a big shirt and they each get to use one arm and they box somebody else doing the same thing. And (laughs) that is like, that is actually a concept that could be iterated on and built into a real thing because it's hilarious and engaging the few times it's happened. And in this one, they've paired Quentin Rampage Jackson and Bob Sapp up as one half. And they're fighting John Nutt and a dude named Woody who also just like works with the fights, the two fight circus guys. So one, you're getting to watch Bob Sapp and Quentin Jackson actually physically fist fight their fight promoter. Dana White, you know, once upon a time was talking about maybe fist fighting Tito Ortiz. That never ended up happening. But Bob Sapp and Rampage, they're about to fight John Nutt in this carnival explosion of whatever it is it's gonna be great because it's always great uh they're making fun of the power slap league they're doing that they're doing a musical chairs thing where you get a bunch of people (laughs) and they play musical chairs and then the losers have to fight each other basically (laughs) which is a great idea uh mma symmetrical is back two-on-one fighting uh so as it i've got the presser in front of me right now uh, it's Walter John Veal versus the two people who win musical chairs. <laughs> so they'll play it out and all the losers will end up fighting each other. And the last two people who get chairs will then fight a two on one fight blindfolded Muay Thai. That's a thing that's about to happen on Saturday. That can't be good for anybody's health, but I will watch that like a train. Like I will watch a train wreck for sure. The Wheel of Violence, which we've talked about a bunch just in general as being a good idea of just spinning a wheel and then competing under whatever the rule sets are there. Uh, the Human Pinata, which I don't really understand what it is, uh, but the, the the pitch is basically Steve Panda Banks, who's a fight circus a legend, legend of the circus, uh, Panda Banks, is fighting six dudes. Um, I'm not sure if they're all at once or how it goes, but, and there will be some other things, but you got that. Uh, it's just, it's the best goonish entertainment this sport can offer. And I'm a firm believer that the roots of MMA are in carnival side. So side so shit. And that we get a little too serious about things at, at, at points in time. And it fight circus 
is, is a lot of it's awful. I'm not here to tell you that it's all winners, but it's all fantastic, even when it's terrible. <laughs> and so a thousand percent, if I'm picking one of these things to watch, also Fight Circus costs like five bucks on Fight TV. I do not know what the pay-per-view for Masterball Boxing is, but I cannot imagine it's yeah, if I got to choose between 50 bucks for, for Game Red Boxing or five bucks on Fight TV for Fight Circus, I know exactly which one of those I'm buying. Yeah, it's well said. Yeah, it's a tough weekend. Final Four, we got uh, yeah, PFL, we got Fight Circus, we got WrestleMania. There's just so much going on. It's, they do that on They do that Saturday night now too, don't they? Mania? Yeah, it's both nights, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, jeez. I mean, yeah, what you picked a really tough, picked a really bad weekend for this, Jorge. And can we talk about that? We we didn't, we never talk about this, Mike. We never talked about this on air. Come on, man. Come on. You're not even going to show up to your own event. You're not even going to show up to your own event. When he told Ariel that he was not going to be in Milwaukee for Game Bread Boxing, I was like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here, man. Like you gotta, you gotta show up for your own. I know you have a fight. Frankly, you shouldn't have picked this weekend anyway, based on all the stuff we just said you're competing against and it being a week before your fight. So you can't even go. If if you aren't willing to go to the fight that you're promoting, why should I? That's my question. Uh, that is, it's a tough, that was a tough, tough scene to hear him say that. From what I hear, uh, there will be sort of like a, a live, I don't know if it's like a watch along, but like a live chat option uh, during the pay-per-view and Mazdal will be, will be on the broadcast talking about it. So at least he will be there uh, as part of the broadcast in some way. But yeah, I thought that was. Dude, you got to go and sign autographs and get people in the door. I did is <sighs> tough scene. I will say, I will say, uh, I don't think there's anybody better uh than him when it comes to that because i've obviously covered some of the the icon cards that were in savannah yeah. mazadal is i mean he is the best when it comes to that he will stand there and literally talk to every single person in that building and sign all their stuff and take pictures with everybody if there's three thousand people there he will sit and wait and talk to all three thousand of them it's pretty cool and and that's perfect and like that's what you need if you're trying to build something and that's Kind of my overarching thought about Game Boy Boxing is like the icon stuff seems to be going well. Like he, from everything I've heard, that he is successful with it and kind of advancing that and where he wants to go. And this is a huge swing. And it's uh, honestly my biggest takeaway from this is I hope that this this is frankly an overswing. He is out over his skis at this point in time. Like there's no way that this thing makes money. I just cannot imagine it possibly could. My great hope is that this is not an affliction style event where you're trying to make so much noise that you forget best practices. And when it fails, then you just recede from it and don't do it. Because I do think largely the idea, the concept of doing something like this is, is good and we need it. But we have just seen historically people take this exact path forward and it has never once succeeded. And I don't think it's going to work here. And I just go back to building from the ground up. That's just a way better way to go about this stuff. Yeah. That was one of my whole things is like, look, you got to start somewhere. And even if, you know, the numbers aren't what you are hoping they will be, 
Uh, you can't stop because I think they have something with the concept. And I think the initial announcement got some buzz and attention. But yeah, it's just a tough weekend. You'll learn from it. I think 50 bucks is a little little too much. Um, I mean, the PFL pay-per-view is 50 bucks and we were, we were ragging on that. I think 50 is a little too high. Cut that in half. I think you'd be a little somewhere with it. Um, I mean, the BKFC, question, card, the BKFC card coming up in April is 50 bucks too, so... That that's where I wanted to go. Let me ask you this, Mike, because this is sort of another angle I thought of. This is is BKFC. It feels like this is BKFC's lane. Not it's obviously a little bit different because it's bare knuckle, but a lot of what they have done has been to captivate draw eyeballs, draw interest with a different thing. Bare knuckle is different, but using people that you know, etc. Do you think that game bread boxing can have a similar success to that? Or do you think that, cause I'm not sure kind of feels like honestly, bare knuckle is enough of a twist and also like a macabre captivation that that will just inherently draw more eyeballs. than let's just put boxing match on with some MMA fighters, which I'm not sure. I still don't know how much leeway this has. It's interesting because, I mean, BKFC, what's so compelling about BKFC is that, one, the events are super fun to watch. Two, they go by so quickly. And three, they know who they are and they, like, go all in on it. And, like, they they know how people do that. They're a very well-run promotion. They are a very well-run promotion. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. But also, on top of that, they have had plenty of time to put on these massive – do you remember when the Artem Lovop – Polly Malnagy fight happened. Mm-hmm. That was like, that's it. This is the peak. It's never going to get better than this for BKFC. This is the beginning of the end. They're going to start to plummet downhill. And here they are all these years later. And it's like, they've made mistakes. They've been able to learn from those mistakes. And then they just have, have accepted who they are and how people view them. And they just do that. They just go all in on it. Now I do think there is a place for game bread boxing uh, because like a lot of these fighters who want to box, like don't necessarily want to go to BKFC. They don't want to go in there, but sometimes they're just throwing BKFC just throwing out this incredible amount of money. And you're just like, well, how can I possibly say no to this? So at least they're creating a different alternative where if you don't want to do MMA, but still go into boxing, you potentially have somewhere to go. And there, this is a compelling idea. My one fear is not BKFC. My fear is if Dana White goes through with this boxing thing, because this is what it's going to look like. If Dana sees this and he's like, all right, you know, this is pretty cool. And he jumps on a similar concept of doing MMA fighters past and present boxing each other. And they put that promotional buzz behind it and that promotional team behind it. What does that do for this idea of gamer boxing? Now, it is on UFC Fight Pass and maybe those two calamities can work together someday. Maybe that could happen. But that was like one of my things like, well, this thing goes really well. Like what's to stop Dana from being like, well, we've been talking about Zufa boxing for six years. I guess he recently did something saying like a year, two years, three years, I'm going to try to do something. What's to stop Dana from being like, oh, I like this concept, but I'm going to take this and do it better and put my entire UFC promotional team behind it. So I don't know. Maybe I have no idea how this is going to go. Power slot. He God, decided no. to pivot resources to power slap instead of making a boxing product. Maybe he'll pivot back. I don't know. I mean, he's all in now, but I don't know. I think there's something to this. It's just a matter of 
this is going to be a, a big time learning experience. Like how big, how big of a building can we do this in? When can we do it? How is scheduling going to work? Milwaukee doesn't seem to be the type of city to do this in. Should we be more Florida based? Should we do this? Is the price point too high? Uh, are the arenas too big to host it? Like this is going to be a very important event for them, not just because of the dollars and the sense that it makes, it's what they take away from it so that they can improve upon the next one. And because I think the name values, I don't, I mean, the name value is really good. Like even some of the undercard fights, there are known fighters who are, prom- and shout out to the fighters. They are promoting the shit out of this card on their social medias. Like I can't go anywhere on any social media without Pearl Gonzalez or B win or any of the other undercard fighters just promoting this everywhere on social media. So they're doing a good job doing that. This is going to be a very pivotal learning experience for them. Like if this doesn't go as well, as it's, I don't think they're going to make a lot of money. Like you said, I just think it's a really tough weekend for it to happen a week away from the UFC pay-per-view. We got all these other sporting events happening. Like they could have waited two weeks and done this. They could have done it April 15th. I know you have the Holloway Allen card, but at least that's an option that and that's fine. there. Yeah, it would have been. been. And fine. then you get two apex cards coming up. Yeah. And then you get two apex cards coming up on the 22nd and the 29th. I know you're dealing with BKFC with one of those dates, but yeah, I think they're going to take – hopefully they could take lessons from this and continue on and not just do a one-and-done with this type of process. And this is going to be a pivotal weekend for them. I don't think they're going to sell at the building. I don't think they're going to sell a ton of pay-per-views here at that price point. But hopefully they can create enough buzz so that – because, I mean, I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be covering it. So And I'm I'm excited to watch it. Like That's my role for Saturday, and I'm I'm excited to do so. But not everybody is going to be – not everyone's covering that event. So what's to say, you know what? I'm going to drop 50 bucks on this when I can watch the final four for free or I can watch fight circus for five bucks or watch the PFL card on ESPN plus or wherever that's going to be broadcast. So yeah, it's just, or WrestleMania for five bucks. You can spend five bucks to get both nights at WrestleMania. So it's just a tough weekend. It's a tough location. The price point's a little high, but again, this is something they can learn from. I do like the concept and I don't think BKFC is uh, like really competition for them. I mean, maybe in some ways, but I think BKFC is just kind of on like they are their own thing right now. And Gamebird Boxing can kind of be their own thing uh, if, if they can keep things where there's a lot of MMA related competitors and known in that space boxing against each other. But we'll see. Last question, Lucy related. Why why doesn't he just change icon to gamebred MMA? It feels like that's just the, the move forward here because that that just has to be better, right? Like and then this should just be part of an entire promotional organization instead of gamebred boxing's over here, icon FC's over here. Feels like it would be better for him to have this all unified and like Maybe you do some MMA fights and some boxing fights, and then you can do MMA in a ring, which God knows Casey loves, and so do a very ardent section of MMA fans. So it feels like we should just do this. Am I crazy? Well, they ha- he has a game bread FC. It's the uh, bare knuckle, the bare knuckle MMA league that he does. So that's already there. But Icon has his name attached. It's not. It's not Icon FC. It's Jorge Masvidal's Icon Masvidal's, FC. Yeah. So the branding is still there, but. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with Gamebird FC, honestly. I don't remember Gamebird FC at all, so that shows you where I'm at on this particular topic, I guess. 
But I mean, look, it gets fighters opportunities and I'm all down for that. And hopefully they're making great money and they want to do it again. They're treated so well that they want to come back and do it again. And by all accounts, people I've spoken to, they, they do a good job with that. So yeah, I don't think this is going to be a, a box office success by any stretch of the imagination, but you got to start somewhere and it's going to start for them on Saturday, April 1st with Game Bread Boxing 4. And let's see how this all plays out. So I think we're done, Jed. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, you wax poetically on on Fight Circus, but I would love to hear uh, if you have any more thoughts about anything. I need to correct. Uh, it's actually $10 for the standalone pay-per-view on Fight.TV. If you are already are... If you're already like a fight person, I think it's like eight bucks because that's their like subscription thing. But so it's it's ten dollars, which is still ten bucks, and I'm for sure giving that same money. I own a Fight Circus T-shirt, so I'm obviously gonna give them ten dollars to watch old school MMA. Mike, I didn't even mention it. One of the first fights is is a single ten minute MMA round. They're bringing it back to the roots, baby. It's going to be a great time. You should watch Fight Circus this weekend, guys. They don't pay me to say this. I just genuinely love their product because it's insane, and the sport needs more insane things. Is it NHB or is it gloves? Like normal uh, rules? Out? I don't know. I'm going to assume that it's gloves, but also Still. I don't know. Rules – it could be anything, Mike. There's, there's not a commission <laughs> that's really – Spin the wheel, baby. Spin here. that wheel. Well, they're doing blindfolded Muay Thai. I'm not sure that anybody <laughs> is actually checking to make sure that everything's on the up and up here. <laughs> like it's, we're just going and we're hanging. And it's this is the promotion that if you and your buddies got drunk one night and were like, we should make a fight promotion, and then you woke up and like followed through, that's what Fight Circus is, and it's delightful. Oh, man. Well, I mean, with that said, there's not much more we can add to that uh, to put the show over the top. I think we've uh, we're out of the red zone. We've crossed the threshold. Touchdown, BTL. We've gotten it done. We're on the board. And uh, next week, we will recap all of this action, and we will get you ready for UFC 287. Their promotions return to Miami, Florida, first time in almost pretty much two decades that they're back in Miami. We got Adesanya versus, or excuse me, Pereira versus Adesanya for the middleweight title. We got Burns versus Mazadal. We will have a watch party. Connor Burks, shout out to GC. He sent me over uh, the cold open video for UFC 287 that I need to, to voice over for the watch party. This is going to be. I'm going to say it. This is the, this will be the greatest cold open in MMA history. I, I, I mean, it's, oh, it is okay. so good. I had goosebumps this morning when I watched it. I'm like, I cannot wait to voice this thing over on Friday. So get ready for that. We'll get you ready for UFC 287. I'm going to try to get a special guest on a, a fan favorite of BTL for next week's show. We're in discussions. We'll see if we can make it happen. Uh, hopefully we'll have more on this Fury FC situation. Um, there's a lot happening behind the scenes here. So hopefully by the time we're back here, we can talk about that a little bit more. And then it's uh, it's it's time to see if Jorge Mazadal can put a wrinkle into Dana White's plans. Let's see if Israel Adesanya can get his title back. That 287 main card is friggin' awesome. That whole card is pretty damn good. So good looking card. forward to that. Yes. Casey, you can hit the music. We are done. We will have a weekend preview show coming up uh, in a little while. 3 p.m. Eastern. And we'll just talk about all, all about this weekend. We'll probably take a lot of fan questions too. 
because there's so much going on. We'll we'll see where your interests are peaked. So for Jed Mishu, Casey on the ones and twos, I am Mike Heck. Thank you very much. Back next week on BTL. Good night, everybody. This Love you. Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for the show comes from SoFi Invest. Alternative investments are now available on SoFi. Unlock the potential to build and protect your wealth with alternatives including real estate, venture capital, pre-IPO unicorns, and more at SoFi.com slash Vox. Active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA, SIPC. Alternative funds have unique risks, including the risk of loss, may charge high fees, can be illiquid, and may not be suitable for all investors. Prior to investing in any fund, carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and important information contained in a fund's prospectus.